Thank you for downloading this New Zealand Sports Radio show. We have a new way that you can support us. There is a link in the notes down below where you can make a one-off donation to New Zealand Sports Radio. Thank you for support and uh, enjoy the show. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hold you up. Welcome to the Hash Rugby Chat, episode 141. I've just realized what. I've left the studio door open. What I mean by that is I've left my bedroom door open, which is unfair on my housemates. So let me just run over there uh, and do that while um, Stephen Harris says hello. Hello, Stephen Harris. And it looks like I've lost Stephen as well. Jeez, not very, not a great start to the show tonight. I'm very sorry, folks. I only got back here about 10 minutes ago. I've been throwing all my tech back together. Uh, this today I was down also up in Auckland um, doing something. So you'll have seen the, the morning sports briefing. This morning it came live from Ashwin's house. Um, and here I am now back home here in Hamilton. Um, we've just lost Stephen Harris. He is going to be coming back in a second. So don't worry. What are we going to talk about this week? We're going to be talking about the new proposed calendar. Uh, we might touch on some financial issues and some of the other news that's been going on. Uh, and um, as well as uh, talking about some of the sort of player reactions to some of this as well. So welcome, Stephen Harris. How are you doing, sir? Oops. Well, not, not too bad. After a little bit of a hiccup, I am here and ready to roll. You are here, and we can hear you as well, which is very good. Very good. Um, I've grabbed myself a beer. Now, I'll tell you, to show the levels of disaster that we are running at this evening, this is a warm beer, because I actually forgot to put any beers in the fridge. So that shows you what kind of show you're in for tonight, a warm beer show. Um, after some fun and games, me driving up and down um, from um, Auckland. So, Stephen, how, how's your day been? Uh, obviously, we had coffee a little bit earlier, but uh, you now you now all set up yourself. Yeah, no, listen, uh, all good. It was good to go back to the uh, the gym this evening and, and see a, a lot of people uh, at the gym. More importantly, practicing social distances, so it was really good. But the common theme, Paul, everybody is missing sport, like all of us, and uh, the ones that have tuned into the show thoroughly enjoying it. Um, yes, absolutely. So. One of the things that we have been discussing uh, or that came up in the news recently was that the, there are discussions between Northern Hemisphere and Southern Hemisphere um, looking at the new uh, sort of calendar. Now, when we came into this crisis, uh, there was a lot of talk of saying, oh, look, I've got a blank piece of paper. People are being much more um, what's the word I'm looking for, much more open to change, realising that things cannot continue um, the way um, they have been continuing uh, and that they need to build a sustainable model for rugby. Um, now, what seems to have come out of that is that essentially the changes are that the Six Nations will move by month um, and that the mid-year tests will move to October, from July to October. I mean, as far as inspirational bold moves Stephen it doesn't rank up there does it really yeah no it's 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 not overly huge and you almost get that the sense that it's it, it's been pretty much uh, uh forced on those particular unions with with, with COVID. COVID's 
played played their part. So maybe a a slight little adjustment or or, or concession. Maybe the case of uh, the um, the incumbent uh, chairman maybe seemed to be doing. You know, moving. How can I put this? Probably moving a few couches around the living room, Paul. Yeah, that's what it seems to be. Yeah, sh shuffling chairs on the deck of the Titanic, as it were. Um, I'm just going to share my screen up. What I've what I've come up with um, is a little spreadsheet to give you an idea as to how um, there's something that I've just thrown together as to how this all will look, and also so we can actually understand what the gaps are um, in between these dates. So sorry, I'm quickly rushing around here with just some final calculations I'm trying to put in. Um, that will then will then help us um, see how many what the kind of oops what the kind of gaps are um, between the different windows now because that's what's going to be all important is can we fit the uh, club rugby in between the uh, the international window so currently what we have is the Six Nations run from effectively the beginning of February through till about mid March okay. Um, so you have one round a week off, two rounds, um, then you have uh, a couple of back-to-back -back rounds. Actually, there might be one week extra more than that. But you're looking at a roundabout, um, what's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven weeks. Um, that seems too few. That seems right. Yeah, uh, two games, a gap, two games, uh, a game, two, a gap, two games. Um, uh, it, it fits in there. Actually, there might be one more week in there. And then we have... Um, basically the international games or the the um uh, the, the club rugby running through till sort of june-ish uh then we have our southern hemisphere internationals or when the european sides travel down to argentina south africa new zealand australia here in july and i can't remember if it was on the 4th or the 11th of july that it actually kicks off but it kicks off around about that sort of time the rugby championship then starts off in august runs through till early october and then we have the Northern Hemisphere Internationals in November um, here as, as, as well. What the proposed change is, is that we see the Six Nations shift down by month. So it would start in March through till mid April, March to April, and that the Rugby Championship would move into the same window. Then the mid-year internationals, Southern Hemisphere Internationals, would move to October. I'm assuming that we have at least a week's break between there for all the teams to travel to their new locations. Uh, and then we would have the Northern Hemisphere in internationals. Now, when it was described to me in the papers, um, I read that there was a 17-week gap and a 16-week gap. Doing the quick add-up, to me, it looks like there's about a 24-week gap through the middle of the year and about a 14-week gap there. So maybe um, what actually would happen is that these... This block of games would be a couple of weeks later. Um, so let's just delete those rows, making that 16-week gap there. Um, and then this one would then become like a 22 or let's just take that to there. Um, oops. And would become a 21-week gap. Um, here. So um, that gives you an idea as to the kind of what kind of shape um, they're talking about. Now, one of the things they're going to have to do is to get the club sides, particularly in Europe, on board as well. Um, but it is, when people were re-talking about these sort of things, um, Stephen, this really wasn't what I was imagining. I was imagining much more a half the year for club rugby followed by half the year for international rugby, not kind of this this, this switching between things that, we're going to, that, that, that I can see this um, forcing it into. Yeah, <clears throat> once again, I see interruption for the clubs or for the club season. And, and we all know in the Northern Hemisphere, they have two or three different competitions or, or at least a couple of competitions going on at the same time. So how you work these in along with your international players, yeah, it, it just seems, it, it almost to me looks like the season looks like it's being stretched even more, Paul or even made longer? Am I reading that correctly? Um, I'm not sure if it would actually make, make long be, be longer or not, but um, if you think the Super Rugby has a regular season that is um, 18 weeks long, is what you've got there, and then you have three weeks worth of finals. Oops, 
21 weeks. Suddenly, from if, we, if you're trying to shoehorn Super Rugby in, you would have no time off between the end of the Rugby Championship um, and also the beginning of those Southern Hemisphere ones. So straight away, it's going to be very tight to fit in a Super Rugby season um, if you were going to try and fit it in after the Six Nations Rugby Championship window that we're seeing here. It definitely would not fit in in that 16 weeks. And also you cannot play rugby in South Africa over December and January. It's just far too hot. So that's when Super Rugby would have to fit in. You're then saying, okay, if we did that, where would we fit in the Curry Cup um, and the Mice 10 Cup? And again, um, the the, the Mice 10 Cup is a 12-week competition, 10 weeks of regular season, two weeks of finals, um, the Curry Cup. Um, slightly shorter. But again, if you've only got um, eight weeks here or or a seven-week gap here, it's very difficult to see where you could put in that that, that kind of competition. Um, and again, um, if we were having uh, a club competition um, in for, for, the, for, the, for the Southern Hemisphere that would happen at the same time as Super Rugby, um, one of the problems we would have is if we're running from May um, through to October, is you're basically you're going to run at the same time as cricket. Mm. Now, for a lot of the club and community games, you'll find that a lot of rugby clubs and cricket clubs will share grounds, um, or if it, or or, or, um, or cricket and hockey will also also, um, but there'll, there'll, there'll be shared grounds there as well. So, to my mind, the things that are being discussed here seem to throw up more problems uh, than solutions mm. um, that that, 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 that I can see. Um, so personally, yeah, this doesn't look like. I, I, I don't want to throw immediately. Go, oh, it's change. Um, the uh, that uh, we, we we shouldn't. Um, we have that. Our uh, science says, look, Super Rugby will actually be seventeen weeks, not eighteen weeks. Even so, Simon, we're talking about a one week gap then, either at the beginning or the end. I mean, it's still seventeen weeks plus three weeks worth of of, um, uh, of finals. You're still talking a twenty week window that you need for Super Rugby. And if you've only got twenty, uh, if you've only got twenty-one weeks, um, trying to fit that in um, and have any kind of pre-season <laughs> or any kind of preparation for internationals, again, it doesn't fit. Um, so yeah, to me, this does not look like a well-thought-out um, proposal. Admittedly, this is rumoured so far, um, rather than actual. So, but yeah, it's just it's uh, from an northern from from, from a from a uh, from a New Zealand point of view, I can't see that working. No, I've got to, I've got to go got to go along with you. Like like we said at the top of the show, not a lot of change from a, from an outsider looking in. Maybe we originally thought just with those little incremental shifts that that were taking place. Maybe there was maybe there was change in the winds. But like I say, I revert back to my opening statements. We're in a, we're in unique. Um, we're in unique uh, circumstances at the minute, so people just offering up suggestions. And if there was more solid foundation, like the competition was as in its normal form, would would this have been already shot down already? I'd have to say yes, especially by a lot of the uh, the clubs who who paid the salaries. Yeah. Now, Simon says, like, personally, he can't see any um, the Six Nations moving their window. I think there has been a realisation in the Six Nations that they do need to move their window somehow. Um, now, the fact they've only moved it, but the fact that the talk is only of moving uh, by one month doesn't suggest much um, flexibility or that's, that, that's happening there. Um, so that's not necessarily, yes, that's not a, uh, that, that's, that's some, um, uh, so, but, the at the moment, one of the things we've had seen some things we've seen with New Zealand rugby is that the All Blacks bring bring in all the cash, and hence they're overly protective um, of that brand uh, to a um, to to an nth um, degree. What you're seeing from the Northern Hemisphere or the European teams um, is that the Six Nations brings in all the cash. Sure, they get some cash from Northern, from the November internationals when they get visits, but the majority of the cash comes from those Six Nations games. Mm-hmm. And hence, they have been historically overly protective of that, and hence not, uh, and it's become a very conservative um, thing because to to risk a, a change there is um, 
is very uh, is 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 um, is very bad. Um, so from, uh, from from that point of view, so yeah, so folks, I think there's still a long way to go um, in this discussion around this. Say so it's not been made public yet. This is this is just rumours as to what was on a, a conference call that happened earlier this week. There will be more talks. I think there's more um, to come in that space. Some good news though, Stephen, is some have you have you spotted the uh, the re-signings from um, the, uh, the 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 Crusaders have announced today. Yes, I've um, I, I just heard in the I heard through the pipeline that uh, Scott Barrett has uh, resigned with the New Zealand Rugby Football Union. I think that's to the end of twenty twenty three, if I heard that correct, which pretty much takes until to the next uh, the end of the next uh, Rugby World Cup club cycle. And uh, listen, a lot of that thought process is um, very much in and around some unfinished business. Obviously, getting knocked out in the semi-final against England last year, he wants to go back and, and give it another crack while he's still relatively young. So he is one signing that I heard today, and I'm actually quite excited about that because uh, Scott Barrett, I think, is is one of those players. He's a good, hard-working lock. I don't think he's at the level of a of either a Retallick or a White Lock at this stage of his career, but I I think he, I only see improvement in him. Um, yes, and I think one of the things we've seen, if we looked at the exodus of, of players last year, um, is that the European um, teams, particularly French teams, were looking for locks. And I think there is a bit of a shortage of good locks um, globally uh, at the moment. In the previous World Cup cycle, you saw a lot of wingers moving north last last year or this year. You've seen a lot of locks moving north. So I think keeping hold of those locks, uh, of, of your key locks, I think is a massive thing for um, the All Blacks. The depth at lock, I think, is pretty shallow um, at the moment. It needs developing. So to lose somebody, which I think is why they've been so so flexible with Sam Whitelock, with Brody Retallick, um, and while they've locked up Scott Barrett early on, is that they know that they need to keep those guys because the next level below that, are ext- uh, whilst there is some talent in there, it's very in- inexperienced. Um, Paul, Paul, for Paul, I was going to say, for some reason, I've got it in my head that I think if any forward would have a half-decent Bronco test, I would imagine Scott Barrett would have a very decent Bronco test. For do, you want to, do, you want to, do you want to talk Bronco test then, quickly? No, not really. No. <laughs> do we have to? Okay, we can. <laughs> well, just look, Bowden Barrett's come back uh, and has broken the record for um, Bronco tests um, at the Blues. Ruru came in um, two seconds behind him and the Blues had eight personal bests in their Bronco tests yesterday. Uh, was it the day before yesterday? Either way. Um, so they've definitely, so that, that's definitely um, uh, what, what we're thinking we're, what, what I think we're seeing here is that um, the players are coming back fit. I don't think they've spent, I don't think we've, I think we've got players, I don't think we've seen players, uh, there, I mean, there's definitely been a worry that players would come back having basically sat at home and pogged it and, and just eaten the whole time. I don't think we're, there'll be one or two to come back overweight, surely. Oh, sure. But on the whole, it looks like players have worked well with their conditioning coaching. And I think they're going to come back fit. I think the problem is they're not going to come back, uh, what's the word I'm looking for here, um, combat fit or condition yep. fit. And I think we could, we could end up with some some players getting hurt early on as soon as contact training starts soon. Paul, I, I suspect with the Blues, there's a little bit of unfinished business as well. The season started so well and I think there would have been a lot of confidence in the camp and I and I just think probably the players are, are looking inwardly and they want to hit the ground running. It, it's as simple as that. I, I suppose the, the interesting question to me, Paul, is pre-season games. Will they be playing any pre-season games or will they just be playing games internally amongst themselves? And if that's if that is the case, I've, I've no issues with that because if they're all in the same boat, well, it's all a level playing field. Good point. I mean, no one has mentioned any preseason games. There's definitely no club games um, uh, available to club rugby games to give the players a run out either. So yeah, no, I think I think we're going to go we're going to go into round one with the players. Yeah, basically having not played any rugby mm-hmm. in three four months. Yeah, so it'll it'll have a bit of a those maybe those first uh, one or two rounds will have a preseason feel about it. But we all know the way the in, the 
these New Zealand teams seem to find their own intensity. So I think these games will be uh, uh, physical from the start and uh, and the long-awaited return, or not so much return, or the long-awaited debut of one Bowden Barrett is is got a uh, is certainly sparking some significant interest. It is, and first up, straight against the the Hurricanes, you've got to say that was done deliberately to try and get a good audience um, day one for this new competition. Um, so yeah, you got to, it's uh, yeah, and I've got no problems with that, right? The marketing men going, look, guys, we need these these let, 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 let's let's build up. Um, Enthusiasm uh, and some noise around this competition early doors. How can we do that? Well, Bowden Barrett against his old team is a good, is a good starting point. Buy that man a beer, Paul. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's the best. That's the best thing somebody in in um, New Zealand marketing have, have done in a long time. Scheduling a scheduling a, a game that's going to attract an audience. It'll be interesting to see that audience for that game. I know some of the figures coming out of out of uh, German football or the Bundesliga that started, some of those figures have been tremendous, Paul. So uh, it'll be interesting to see. Yeah, it will be interesting to see. I mean, um, the, the, it's, you know, it's, it's, going to, it's going to be interesting. It's going to be interesting to see how the, how different players react to having no crowds as well. Um, some, I think some players will react better to it than others. Um, the, we're going to have some players who are going to come back uh, and I mean, if we think about some players who they come back from injury and they take a couple of games to get going, there are other game, players who come back from injury and you go, well, it doesn't look like they've been away. <laughs> Again, yeah. we're going to see a few players like that who are going to who who are going to hit the ground running and look like they've been playing the whole time, yeah. and there are other guys who are going to look ring rusty uh, and are going to be dropping the ball um, quite a bit. So. That's going to be interesting. I mean, some of the players that I think, I mean, Rich, Rich McCorris always used to come back pretty much not, oh. not near warm up games. Um, I'm just trying to think. Uh, I mean, Sam Kane, uh, he came back from his neck injury and looked um, and looked hot straight off the bat, didn't he, last season? Mm. So I think Sam Kane's going to have a, going to be, uh, going to kick off this season um, in, a, in a cracking a cracking style. As I, I think I may have mentioned on a previous show, Paul, I think. The season has either been good for some stopping or ceasing has been good for teams like the obviously like the, the Highlanders because they've had issues but probably not so great for you know teams that have had momentum like the Crusaders, the Blues and and even the Hurricanes to a to a lesser extent were, were just starting to hit some hit some form and the, the Chiefs you know they all all of a sudden hit a couple of speed bumps along the way so just to to get it going again but we must remember. That was a different competition. That's completed. We all pretty much start from square one, don't we? Well, that's completed or it's just thrown away. I'm not sure it was, ever, it was actually completed. <laughs> but yes, I get what you mean. Um, that has been scrapped, and that's yeah, that has been um, has been thrown away. Uh, so yeah, there's not. Um, it is it, it, it is starting from scratch one. But you square one. But you got to say, the Highlanders' their problem coming into this was that they basically were not used to playing with each other. That's not changed in the last um, in the last two months, right? They've not played; they've still not got any game time together. Um, if anything, they've got even more um, new faces because um, two very exciting wingers coming in in the shape of Neymar and Scudder, um, and also ah, oh, gone blank. Is it, uh, it Villamani Villa Karoy? No, not um, oh, yes, Jonan Nariki. Yeah. Is it no, no, um, um, yeah, Karoy is the 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 player who um, for for Otago, um, and also was with the Sevens, um, but has come straight back in because the Highlands have got some like three outside backs injured, um, and uh, and hence why getting those players in has got to be uh, really ex um, really uh, uh, important for them. But it just does mean more disruption to the team, more players who aren't used to playing with each other. I still think the Highlands are going to struggle. Um, yeah, Paul, Paul, one thing I will say about the Highlanders, I, I wonder if the two coaches, Aaron Major and, and, and Tony Brown, have had a bit of a, a rethink um, about playing, uh, playing. Um, oh God, now I'm Josh Iwani as a, a second five, because, you know, I, I just think, I just think he's, he's played so well in, you know, if we think back to last year, I think even the previous season, 
he's just looked comfortable. It's it's that sort of form that got him into back into the All Blacks, and I'm pretty sure I know a lot of Highland supporters. If you read the social network, they are just wondering what is going on there. So I really do hope these coaches have a real good rethink and put this young man back into his rightful number ten jersey. Yeah, now I think part of that might have been um, that they had those injuries in those outside backs, right? So uh, they were because they were something they did last year, something they've done this year as well. I mean, Fadders was being played on the wing last year, and this year I think Tarangi Waldron was um, uh, was 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 being played on the wing, and he's a centre, he's not a winger. Um, and I think we saw that basically that, that they'd run out of outside backs, so some of their centres were having to move onto the wing, which maybe meant that they needed um, uh, Joshua to play in that in that role to fill the, to, to, because of numbers. Hopefully with, um, with those two uh, wingers coming on board, that means the centers can play center and then um, Joshua can play 10 like he's supposed to rather than, rather than 12. Paul, I'm almost thinking I should uh, message the two coaches and get them to log into Gainline analytics and <laughs> uh, just get, just get some information about having a team, that plays in their their rightful position. I realise there's been a lot of change, but I just wonder if they've they've also haven't helped themselves by tampering a wee bit too much. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so that yep, there is that um, that side of things. So yes, yeah, so I think pretty much we're going to see a, a lot of the teams start up pretty much where or or, or have a similar pecking order to what they had go, go um, bef- before the break. I mean, we're still missing Adi Surveyor. I don't think there's any more. I've not heard. Uh, any news that he is up and running, playing yet, um, going in there. So I think, again, the Hurricanes are going to be missing some key players, um, which I think for them, which puts them, to me, in a probably fourth place in the pecking order overall. Um, uh, the, the Chiefs, well, hey, they were playing well, as as we know, the Crusaders can as well. Um, so those are going to be the top two. And I think the Blues, we're having a decent season. Now, the question is, where, where, where do they sit compared to the Hurricanes? How close can they get to that top two? Um, we'll have to see. So it's going to be some interesting stuff um, going on there. Um, Simon has mentioned an article uh, in Stuff today that I've not had a chance to actually read, but I've just found it um, online. Uh, and uh, it's, it's um, written um, by Paul Cully. Um, but uh, it's um, he says in this, uh, I'll just quote this out, um, forget about the assumption that New Zealand is still propped up by South African broadcast money that hasn't been the full picture for years, apparently. And he says, in fact, a source has told stuff the new Sky deal announced in October means New Zealand rugby will bring significantly more to Sanzar than the South Africans will via broadcast of Supersport, um, in particular because of the weak rand. Now, that is really uh, an interesting one, isn't it, Stephen? Because we've assumed the balance of power between the Sanzar nations has been that South Africa, because of the basically being the biggest country, because rugby is one of their top games there, um, that a lot of people do watch it. I mean, football is also very big, as is cricket, um, but that, that it demands the biggest TV rights. Because it demands the most money, it therefore has the biggest say. If that's now changed and New Zealand has the biggest money, that is, uh, that's an interesting change um, from, uh, from a political dynamic, dynamic isn't it? Huge, hugely, Paul, and I think I can hear a South African guy just trying to join us on a, a streamline at the moment. Uh, <laughs> John, O'Con- John O'Connor. Um, listen, it, it's, it's really interesting. I've, I've wondered about that for a, maybe two or three seasons because, you know, usually for, for South Africa, they, they love their rugby, but in recent times, you've seen less people attending the games and you know a lot of the noises we've been hearing in and around super rugby we've also been hearing it from supporters in south africa as well and and not to mention the fact that they're looking north because they're seeing maybe a little bit more money in the in the northern hemisphere game so should we be surprised probably not yep um probably not now um sorry that john o'connor can't join us tonight Uh, yeah he's he's busy now one of the things that's been happening, we'll come back to that story that's um, uh, around this change in politics uh, and money um, by uh, that um, uh, the reading and stuff. Um, but one of the things that has definitely been happening um, is we've had this upstart show called Swinging from the Hip. Um, now, they've got themselves a black cap that comes on to the show um, and is one of the co-hosts. They've been getting themselves 
um, an ex-Pakistani um, cricketer tomorrow this week. They've got themselves uh, an English um, a cricketer or, or Welsh actually he's played for De Morgan um, coming on the show. And I thought, you know, what? I've had enough of this upstart. I'm going to have to uh, up my game now in with the hash rugby chat. And next week, um, joining us will be Dwayne Poliativo Tutsivera, um, who is the Samoan starting or the Samoan current number nine or scrum half. So he will be jo- joining us for the show next week. Um, so, yes, yeah, so let's say enough of this upstart swinging from the hip um, show on a Thursday that the, uh, the, the, the cricket guys putting together. Um, Hash Rugby Chat will be fighting back um, from next week with uh, with our star international guest. Um, and that's news for Stephen. He hasn't. He didn't know about this. No, breaking news. Breaking news. Breaking news. Um, so, so yes. Uh, unfortunately, he was busy tonight, so couldn't join us this evening. But he will be joining us, as I say, next um, week. Um, now, if that is the case, then John. Uh, uh, sorry, Stephen. Um, the balance has moved to New Zealand. What do you think? I mean, so one, one of the things historically I've, I've said about the the problem with Sanzar is we've got different requirements from different countries. Um, South Africa audience has already seen them play derby games during Curry Cup, so what their audience want to see is basically games against New Zealand. Um, Australian audience wants to see basically uh, they, they get the biggest um, TV audience for for derby games, um, and from an audience point of view in New Zealand, we also get the biggest audience for derby games. But there's a coaching driver in New Zealand saying that they want to have games against South Africa because it prepares players best for international rugby, having those, those, those international trips. So you've had different... So I'm trying to put, put, put a structure, uh, a format together. Australia wants derby games. South Africa doesn't. And New Zealand kind of does. And Argentina are like, well, we just want to play somebody, please. Um, preferably, not, <laughs> preferably not the New Zealanders all the time because we'll lose those games. We, want to be in a, we don't want to be in a New Zealand-only conference, and I've said that before, um, because we actually want to win some games. So um, with that balance then moved to New Zealand, what kind of format do you think the, the NZR um, would like? Well, it'll be interesting. Obviously, you, you, you can't just survive on on, on five, five teams alone. There's only so many rounds you can play. Like if you played two rounds, what's that? Ten games. And if you had a semi-final and a final game, so you're looking at the 12 games in total. So it doesn't take up a whole season the thing that's sort of concerning me each each and every sort of country is making their own little noises about what they what they what they're wanting to do we heard south africa we've heard australia in recent days talking about you know hey we're just better to do our own thing and and, and going alone but i still believe somewhere in there they all need each other i i do wonder if the south african thing with new zealand being also part of the stands are with South Africa has expired just with just so pro- primarily with with the travel factor, Paul. But I actually think there really is an opportunity for New Zealand and Australia and Japan because they're all sort of like in that time same time zone, along with along with maybe a, a Pacific Island option. Paul, me personally, I, um, I know that New Zealand rugby doesn't want it do away with super rugby but if there is the opportunity to do something in that sort of oceania pacific region that at least is on a reasonable timeline at least and, and having a, a draft we say for example example to try and keep pacific island players down in this area of the world given that we spoke about maybe the, the same sort of money not in the northern hemisphere I think there's I think there's a real opportunity for the for the for the New Zealand Rugby Union or an, another another branch of of Super Rugby to to put some to put some roots down and make something really special. Yeah, it's uh, my, my, my problem is uh, is that I just don't see any I don't see whilst we have some talk from New Zealand Rugby about what about supporting um, Pacific uh, and again Pacific are involved, I just don't see them. Uh, I mean, we've had a few had a few Super Rugby games go over to Fiji and Samoa, but I can't see that that would be a priority for New Zealand rugby. Is putting a uh, is, is getting them is, is providing more opportunity to specific players. Whilst I'd love it, um, I just, that's, what I can see a priority for them is saying, look, we want to include Japan, um, and because it was South Africa that got rid of Japan, essentially, um, New Zealand and Australia both want to keep Japan in um, because of the um, 
we've seen a lot of i mean if you look all you have to do is look at the uh, waratahs jersey and see daikin across the front which is very much a japanese company mm. to understand that uh, yeah that that they've that they've got exposure to um uh, to sponsors and corporates but through the Sunwolves, um which has been fantastic for them or which has been good for them not fantastic otherwise mm. and of course australia and new zealand will be making more surplus um but it's been good for them um so i can see that it could lead to if not the Sunwolves being included which i don't think that's uh, but some sort of pardon me um uh, some some sort of including the um uh, the top league teams uh, in some sort of final series um, somehow. Now, if we look over this over, over to um, the USA, which is the only country in the world really that's, that's, that gets conferences working. Now, I know the conference structure has a very bad image in um, Super Rugby, um, but part of that is that they didn't implement it in a way that it's done that where you seem to be successful. So in the States, what happens is you have two leagues. We have your, your team split into two sides. They play each other a lot on each side. They do have a couple of crossover games. They then have their own final series to produce a champion that plays against each other. Um, what, some of the talk that's going on now is that you have, just like the the, 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 the league we've, or the setup we've got now, we're going to have um, Eitaroa, um, and I've got to say it wrong, haven't I, Stephen? Um, Aitara, um Super Rugby, where the New Zealand side is going to play each other and have a champion. Australia are going to do something similar, where they're going to play each other and have a champion with with probably the force involved, maybe the Sunwolves. And South Africa, uh, if um, they get themselves out of lockdown in time, will probably do something similar. And then what you end up there is with three champions. Um, now, if you've got a top league going as well, which also has a champion, you could then pull together those champions, or maybe the top two from each league, each age of to a final series. Um, either without um, either home and aways or something, or all in one location, um, and that would be dependent on what travel is allowed. But that would be that would be a way of. Um, now, personally, I would say that then you have that the, the, again. You keep things split up on, rather than trying to mix things up. Unfortunately, I can't see that happening. I think they'll they'll mix they'll mix up the teams. Um, but that would be one way of reducing the travel. Which again is reduced costs. Um, but I guess the only question then is: Does it produce enough content for the um, uh, for the TV rights holders? Paul, I hope somewhere in the future there is a place for the for the Sunwolves because if you if you look at the crowds they were getting, um, you know it's it's arguable they were probably getting some of the best. Their home crowds were some of the best crowds of this Super Rugby competition and very very consistent. And we know there's an opportunity. To, to build the game even even further up there. If, look, credit to Australia if they are going to involve the, the Sunwolves in the competition. I would imagine all the likes of the Western Force will come back into into play, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking. So I just think it's a great idea. I, I just hope, with given maybe an opportunity for Australia to have the Sunwolves on board, that they have some real quality players at their disposal as well. Yeah, I just think I, I just think we'll see that. Um, yeah, I mean, the the the, the, the just I, I can't see them surviving beyond this season. They might get involved in in the Australian League, but it's again, it's doubtful. Um, with uh, I, th- I think with travel restrictions, I think we're much more likely to see. I mean, well, you're right; they got the best crowds and had the best atmosphere out of any team uh, in Super Rugby. They would come first on that on 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 that um, on that one. And good crowds and good atmosphere make for good TV. Put bluntly, um, and, and yeah, new, new viewing audience as well, Paul. You know, you want you want yeah. to reach out, you know, because obviously your 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 staple or your audience that had been there for a while was decreasing. But I could imagine up in Japan, you have an increased audience, and even more so on the back of um, what they achieved at uh, RWC two thousand and nineteen. Yep, absolutely. So I, I, yeah, I, I say I think it'd be fantastic for them for for for. Um, um, for that, so that from, from from that point of view, um, and yeah, there's definitely an audience there. But I think you're also going to get your, your Panasonic Wild Knights, your um, oh, I've forgotten the names of some of the other teams as well. But look, those top league teams are pretty are, are, are very good. I'm sure they could they could they could they could also draw good audiences. Um, the the only problem at the moment is over in uh, Japan 
is there influx at the moment? Um, it's the question of do they continue with the top league as it is, or do they come up with some regional franchises um, instead of a new league? So we're going to have to wait and see um, the uh, for for that to how that will pan out um, over there as to what their domestic structure is going to be, uh, and um, which again makes it hard for planning. Um, that side of things, um, the, the apparently Western Australia have got a strict quarantine requirement, so it'll be hard, it'll be interesting to see how an Australian domestic competition happens. Yeah, I mean, there's, yeah, there's a lot of question marks still out there, um, on that side of things, and maybe the force have to um, play all their games away, uh, and not play any games at home, a bit like the Warriors are doing in rugby league. Um, the uh, I mean, at least, look, they're definitely going to be able to get games going. Um, in Australia, or go get professional sport going in Australia, um, just like we are doing um, here in New Zealand to a, to, to a, a degree um, or other. Um, the yeah, so that's I think that's pretty much. I'm not sure there's much more to say on that structure of things, but it, it is interesting to the the, the 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 dollar and therefore the political power may be shifting in that Sanzar um, union. Today, we streamed an interview with Rennie Ranger um, that we did, that we recorded last week. Um, any kind of, uh, what, were, what were your thoughts? Any sort of takeaways that you took out of that chat with um, with Rennie? Um, yeah, I, I, can, I, I sense the, a lot of frustration in, in and around injuries. Injuries have, have played, a, played a, a, you know, a real big part, especially in the, the, the latter part of his career. There's... I sense there's a little bit of unfinished business. He obviously wants to to play a hundred games for for Northland and give a little bit little bit back. But uh, you know he's a guy that that keeps himself pretty fit, and I think he's still available to to play any professional rugby. Now uh, the Colorado was he playing with the Colorado Raptors, um, Paul or Toronto? So yes, yeah, so he was playing with the Colorado. So if you if you if you listen to the interview, you have you, yeah, we, we 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 talk about how he obviously he was at the twenty sort of twenty eleven um, ish twenty and and sort of around sort of about twenty fifteen or twenty twelve twenty thirty. I think having a good season going, he went overseas, came back to the Blues, got injured, um, went up to uh, play for the Sunwolves. Only had one game before he got injured, and yeah, and basically. Had, and lost about three or four years to injury. So, yeah, we hear him talk about that, which is really kind of interesting. Um, yeah, and uh, he was over in Colorado with the Colorado Raptors, who have then, who, when uh, Major Rugby cancelled and all the players came home, there was no, they didn't realise, or he said, he tells us uh, how he didn't know that they were going to pull out of Major League Rugby. Now, it, it was a one-year contract he had there, so it's not like he's lost. A, a, so, uh, he, is, he is a free agent at the moment. Um, so, it'll be interesting to see where, uh, where he goes next. We're fully expecting him to play club rugby um, up in Northland and also then play for Northland in the Minor 10 Cup, um, which will be his shop window to, to, to sell his wares for the next, um, uh, for the yeah. Next, yeah, for his next step in, in his career. Yeah. Oh, listen, any, anybody who's got the opportunity, um, will probably have that interview up on iHeartRadio on the podcast, iHeartRadio, um, New Zealand Sport Radio. So yeah, listen out for that because it is quite fascinating. He's, He's a chap that doesn't do a lot of interviews, but those were pretty much my my takeaways. Definitely a guy that plays what he sees in front of him, and I and I, I got that impression. You know, we asked him about possibly looking at coaching towards the, the end of his career, but he said, "Oh no, heck no! I'm looking at doing some contracting. I'd be just as happy with a shovel in my in my in my hands." So it's it's definitely not on not on his radar. Obviously, family and. And doing other things outside rugby are, are a big, big part of his life. So it really was a privilege and a pleasure to to, to chat to him. So well done getting him on board, Paul. Yeah, it was, it was lovely. I mean, so, so yes, yeah, so what you're talking about there, yes, yeah, so post, post-career, he's thinking, you know, basically um, uh, looking at some, uh, uh, doing some of the contract, or, or yeah, um, working by the roads, uh, digging trenches uh, for, because we have a lot of fibre to be rolling out with, um, uh, another and a lot of infrastructure stuff going on in Northland. Uh, now, part of the reason you say you don't want to get into into coaching, um, when you listen to Jason Schumark's interview that's coming out on Thursday, you'll hear him talk about this as well. Um, is that he said, look, if 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 you were to get at the ranks to to become a decent coach and get get higher up, that you end up travelling a lot uh, and being away from family. And clearly, Rennie Ranger uh, um, enjoys his life up there in, in Northland. He keeps returning there. 
He's clearly got um, some good friends. It's, it's where he's originally from uh, and, and, and and good family connections up there. He enjoys being around the family uh, and his friends. Uh, and if you are going to be um, coaching at super rugby level, you're spending a lot of time traveling. It's Paul, it, Paul, it's a very fickle business, isn't it? Um, former Kiwis coach Graham Lowe once said, there are coaches and then there are coaches waiting to be sacked. And unfortunately... Uh, <laughs> That's you know that's that's the life and times of of, of being a professional coach. I think, I think, I think so many, in, so it might be more fickle in, might be more fickle in league than than, than union. I think, but but um, <laughs> but um, but he wasn't talking about. He was talking about the fact that yeah, he, that he doesn't doesn't really want to do the travel. Um, when we talk when I talked to Jason Schumacher uh, on on Thursday, and that comes out, he talks about the reason he went overseas to play for the extra Chiefs was because he actually wanted to see his. Uh, his partner and his kids, um, and not mm. spend the whole time travelling. Um, mm. uh, and so you can see that, yeah, that, that when we talk about, uh, when we look at players' careers and we think, oh, why did they go there for that? Uh, that seemed like a strange choice for purely playing reasons. There are other reasons behind why they make, might make certain choices other than, mm. pardon me, pure playing ones. Um, mm. Whereas uh, if we look at someone like uh, Neymar Scudder's choice now to go to the Highlanders, you can see that's a playing one. At the Hurricanes, where he apparently also had an offer, um, they've got um, uh, Hooson, um, oh, who's on the other, uh, Lamb. Yeah, um, the South, South African boy. Um, African boy, boy got, can... Jordy Barrett. They've got a number of fit, uh, established, well-playing back three players, right? Mm -hmm. Go down to the Highlanders, and you can see, right, they've got three players injured. They need someone to start there. If I go down to yeah. the Highlanders, I will get game time. I can come up in during my time with the Hurricanes amongst my mates, but I might not get to play much. Yeah. Uh, having and with him not having played, uh, I've just listened to his interview with Ari Surveyor recently, um, which is a very good listen. So please, you know, I suggest you go listen to that. He talks about how, in that sort of basically four years he's had injured, uh, how he's basically been sort of laying uh, sitting on the floor in his bedroom crying um, around the fact of am I ever going to play again. Um, I'm a rugby player, but I can't play. How, what what value do I have? This kind of stuff, which is really hard. Um, that's why it's, it's, it's a very frank interview. It's a very good interview. Um, so you can see he wants to get back and do, and, and do some playing. Um, now I think he's he's he's, he's, he's improved his mental mental state a lot, a lot. There's a lot of work in that space, which is very good. But still, having spent four years injured, you just want to play. Exactly, Paul. Well, you actually just made me think of a, of another Savia who's um, a free agent at the minute. It'll be interesting to see what um, Julian Savia does. A little bit of little bit of league talk, but to be brutally honest, I, I probably see somebody like Julian maybe coming back to New Zealand and just trying to reignite his career. Yeah, absolutely. And um, the... Let's oh, find the tweet. Um, but there's... The Hurricanes apparently said something along the lines that there were basically there isn't space in their roster to offer Julian a place. And my immediate thought was, well, hang on a second, you're saying there's not enough, there's no space in the roster for Julian, but you've said that you offered Neymar a Scudder a place. So how does that work, mate? Have, is, have they yeah. found space for somebody else? You know, is someone else joining it we, we haven't heard about? Um, yeah, it seemed that, 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 that's, that one to me uh, seemed a bit of a strange one. Um, now, the this most Julius Surveyor has a reputation of um, fairly or unfairly of um, not necessarily training that well in the off season, right? Uh, and then basically taking a few weeks to get up to speed. You can see in this situation, you don't have time to get up to speed. There's only five games. <laughs> sorry, there's only ten games. Uh, sorry, only eight games over ten weeks. You've got to be playing. You've got to be up to speed straight away. So there's not time to for players to, to play into form. Um, maybe that was part of it in the fact that he's a player that needs game time that plays himself into form. Paul, I was going to say the best by date of a winger is very, very short. I just thought I'd um, check on Julian just to see in terms of his age. He turns 30 on the 7th of August this year. And um, yeah, you just kind of wonder once you get around that, that 30 mark, you have to really be doing something special or training even doubling harder to prove your place in a team. So, so many good outside backs around. 
doesn't help. No, it doesn't. Um, absolutely. Um, yeah, Simon says Julian, his wife, needs to stay away from Twitter. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, Julian's wife, yeah, does, perhaps, yeah, there's, there's a time for defending uh, your man and there's a time for, yeah, perhaps um, just ignoring the haters, uh, to put, put, put bluntly. Um, I've not been aware of anything they've said recently on Twitter, um, to be honest. But yes, again, um, uh, yeah, Julian's wife does have a station for, for, for having a go. And look, um, I understand defending because well, look, we don't see everything, right? Um, uh, and um, so, so yeah, we, we are making assumptions from what we've seen. Um, but there is definitely a time when you um, uh, there's, there's there's a time for just ignoring it and letting it wash off a duck's back, uh, rather than actually. One of the things I find is the more you interact with something, the more um, the more fuel you give it, uh, and therefore it, it reaches a bigger audience. Uh, so if you just ignore it. It actually dies down quicker. Um, so yeah, um, the um, and uh, yeah, Simon say yeah, and and uh, not biting the hand that feeds you. Uh, yeah, sure. Yeah, as, whenever you leave, you want to make sure you don't burn bridges. Um, the um, so yeah, that's uh, I think I've covered off most of the rugby stuff that's um, that's been bubbling on. I just can't wait for the season to really start. Very, very much so. Paul, I was just going to say, though, before we go, I just think it would be a little bit remiss of us not to, to mention women's rugby and especially the comments made from uh, Alice uh, Soper, who's a Wellington rugby player, um, over New Zealand rugby's lack of clarity in the women's uh, domestic competition now for anybody uh, tuning in. Pretty much Alice's uh, comments were, were, were in and around. Obviously, there's been a, a lot of talk about uh, Super Rugby Aotearoa getting up off the ground in the, in, the, in the men's game but there's been very very little said about the women's game and she pretty much came off the uh, the long run without reading word for word and basically said to the New Zealand Rugby Union hey I just want clarity about the women's game What's, don't forget us here just, just remember you always quote how well New Zealand women's rugby is doing in this country. We we head out there, we win all these trophies. You give us a pat on the back. We just want to know what's happening. Um, listen, she used she used this particular platform to to make her point, but it seems to have gained a little bit of traction, Paul. Yeah, it is. I'm, I'm just searching because I know that Nick Heath, um, who does the commentary for the Women's Six Nations, um, for example. Um, made a, a kind of similar um he didn't come off the long run so much made a much a much more um uh political uh, much more much more political about how he said it but he said something along sort of similar lines of world rugby says women's rugby is important but um uh why are you saying that when it's in the top three and you've already announced what's happening with men's rugby um something along those lines i'm, I'm paraphrasing um what um what i remember nick saying so i'm sorry if that's not quite uh, if, if that's not um well not entirely right paul, but just don't pull just to quite quite what alice said pretty much i'm not happy that we're so used to as a woman's competition not even having the dignity of a question being asked about what's going on for us uh Sofa said in an impassioned plea on twitter so what's going on because right now the silence is definitely new zealand rugby what is going on what is your plan? What are we supposed to be doing right now? Am I supposed to wait? Am I supposed to sit on my hands and be quiet? You guys get your hope and anyway, four letter word <laughs> and clip our ticket when we succeed. But right now, we're in the middle of another challenge and we're invisible as usual. The challenge for the New Zealand Rugby Union, what's going on? But a challenge for all sports media, please ask the question. And you've got to say, um, look, that there's, there's been lots of talk about what's happening to men's um, and also senior rugby. We were talking with someone today who gets involved with junior rugby. Um, and again, um, at grassroots, there's stuff about, pardon me, what's going to happen with senior men's rugby. But there's not uh, there's been there's not been any guidance as to what's, what's basically happening at junior rugby um, at those levels. So what, what and again, so what's the reason for getting the senior, senior rugby ongoing? It's because the minor 10 cup players come from there. Um, and hence, uh, and so this is um, there. There is definitely an element of money involved here, right? Uh, New Zealand rugby needs. Um, uh, uh, as we just talked about, their big paymaster is Sky, which has given them this big TV deal, which makes them the best paid Sansar rugby 
um, yeah. country, potentially, R rumors, rumors say. Sky TV wants content. At the moment, women's rugby is, is, not, is, is minor content for them. Major content is, is internationals, which they can't get. Next is Super Rugby, and then it's minor 10. Um, and so we've heard lots about how we're going to get Super Rugby up. We've, at the, as a footnote to the Super Rugby announcement, we got told about the minor 10 Cup, but very much as a footnote. Um, uh, and so it, it's, it's, it's a money driver. Now, is that an ex uh, that, that's the reason? Is that a valid excuse? Uh, no, I don't think so. I think what no. uh, that that they could have had some, they, they they can have someone talking thinking about um, the women's game and and uh, at the very least talk about the Farrah Palmer Cup in the same window uh, at the same time as the Cup. Now, one of the things that is uh, and even if it is just a we are intending to play the Farrah Palmer Cup at the same time as as, as the Ten Cup. Even if you just say that, that's enough. I mean, I think a lot of us are assuming that's what's going to happen. Um, but we don't know because uh, there's been no news in it. I assume that the women's club game will start at the same time as the men's club game. Again, it's an assumption. No one's actually said anything. Uh, why can't they? Because uh, uh, those things seem logical. You're going to start with club rugby first before the Farrah Palmer Cup because the players need the conditioning. They need, they need, to, they, they need the game time. Right, rather than running straight in. Yeah, Paul. I, I suppose it's a bit like anything. Uh, you, you know, if you've got a, uh, if you've got a, a, a club situation or even a work situation, there's there's definitely layers. And you know, the higher up the uh, the scale you go, the higher paid the people up further up the tree get paid. But there's also sort of layers who may not make make as much or may have a. Uh, a, a sort of fleeting in, uh, involvement, but I think it's uh, it was really uh, I think it was a fair question to ask of the rugby union. Hey, okay, you're doing all the stuff for the men at the moment, but hey, don't rugby union, don't forget about us, but don't say nothing. Just keep us mm. in the loop. Hey, listen, all I can say, we here at New Zealand Sport Radio haven't forgotten about our ladies, Paul. And that's what counts. No, we haven't. And uh, look, we we are in works. We are in chat chat with someone about trying to get a women's rugby show up and running. Um, so uh, hopefully that, uh, that 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 will go ahead. Uh, also, yeah, we will be looking at seeing how, it, on the assumption that the Farrah Palmer Cup does happen um, towards the end of this year in that October to November time slot. Again, we'll be looking to see which games we can schedule, we can get around um, to, to provide coverage of that as well. Um, I say that's my my assumption is, is it will be in that September, October, November time slot at the same time as minor ten, but that is an assumption. Um, we also have, I think, what, what, what one of the sort of big things that, that probably is, is is upsetting the women is, look, next year we're scheduled to have the Women's Rugby World Cup, or what's called the Rugby World Cup, but it's the Women's Rugby World Cup in New Zealand in 2021. Okay? Um, so we're expecting that to, that that, 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 that tournament is, uh, is scheduled there. One of the things that is, is that that is scheduled for, I think it's the middle of the year, which would be prior to the Farrah Palmer Cup. So there's also an, there was an expectation that there would be some form of women's uh, elite competition in the first part of next year above uh, so to, to be a kind of super rugby for women, i.e. above club, club rugby. Um, now, there's, that never got announced because of the COVID situation. Um, and look, this is something that I've heard from talking to lots of people at different provinces um, and involved in various rugby at different levels. So there was there was, def there was definitely plans in place for a new women's competition, whether, whether that would be cross Tasman with the Super W that happens there, whether that would just be purely in New Zealand. I, did, I don't know. I didn't hear any actual details. I just knew that there was work happening for that. And there was a real concern that, look, New Zealand rugby is losing a lot of cash, right? Having to lay off probably 90 out of their 180 staff. So does that mean that competition will disappear? Will women going to be going into the World Cup, basically having played club rugby against amateurs, um, where you've got uh, where you um, where you have like one All Black per game, uh, or, or one minus one Farrah Palmer Cup player, or two Farrah Palmer Cup players per game? Uh, that's not preparation for a World Cup. Something has got to happen in that space. But the question is, how do they do it, and what, and what what can they put in there? Lots of questions, zero answers, and as you say, definitely silence from New Zealand rugby on women's rugby. Yeah. Well, Ciela Sofa, good on it, good on it for uh, jumping on that platform, and it's just um, hopefully uh, made a few people uh, take notice. 
Oh, it did. That absolutely, it definitely made people. Some people make notice. Uh, take notice. Uh, now, were we? Are we? Are we saying that New Zealand rugby should have come out with a full, a, a full plan and full fixture list? No, we're not. But we're saying that we should have had some sort of communication around something to do with W rugby, because currently it's all been about men's rugby, um, and it's not even been about, and also junior rugby as well. We've not heard anything about junior rugby. We've only heard about um, senior rugby. Paul, listen. Even if even if a statement along the lines of, um, just in terms of women's rugby, we haven't forgotten about you. We realised season twenty twenty one is a massive year for women's rugby. We want to ensure that the that the women go into the next World Cup with 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 the best opportunity for all our local players to be to be part of something that's going to be really spe- special. And I think that's really all that was needed to be said. I actually should be getting a job down there. Maybe, no, they're actually laying a few people off. I was going to say, <laughs> keep the job you've already got. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah that's, that's, uh, now, to, 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 to be fair to New Zealand Rugby, clearly there is a lot going on at the moment, right? Mm-hmm. A lot of people are very scared about their jobs and about their futures. Um, there's multiple things for them to be concentrating on they're trying to juggle okay what is the future of international rugby can is this an opportunity we can do something in how do we get professional rugby back up and running um how do we get uh how do, how do we get 14 provinces back up and running uh how do we get the other 16 provinces that are that are the heartland championships also playing club rugby and having something happening there um so there's a lot of moving parts at the moment if you, all you have to do is look at something like um nrl We've got a lot less moving parts. They've just got to get, was it 14 or 16 teams to play? They don't have to worry about, they don't have to worry too much. Okay, they've got, they've got state of origin, but they don't have to worry too much about international. They don't have to worry about club. And still, it's taken them a, a, a lot of work to get to where they are. Um, so, yes, there is a lot of moving parts New Zealand rugby. Um, but the expectations are that you keep all your stakeholders uh, engaged to a certain degree. Otherwise, you are going to lose people, essentially. Right then, should we call that a night? Sounds, sounds, sounds good to me. Just before we go, uh, Paul, just a, a reminder, it's Northern Rugby Union's 100-year anniversary this year. And unfortunately, probably, obviously, COVID is, I wouldn't say it's put a damp on it. You know, we are heading, hopefully, we'll, we'll head, head down to level one at some point in, in time. So... There'll be some, hopefully, some celebrations or things put in place later later in the year. So sort of stand by for some announcements on that as well. But listen, thanks for the opportunity to be on this evening, Paul. Thoroughly enjoyed it. And I'll see you all back at the morning sports briefing tomorrow morning at the early hour of 7 a.m. Yes, it's horribly early, but we'll be here for you. Um, just something I've just spotted on the news wires. Uh, Sir Gordon Titchens, it looks like uh, he is stepping down from his Samoa Sevens role. Um, so we'll try and uh, give an update of that during the morning sports briefing tomorrow morning at 7 a.m. As I say, next week we will be having um, the current Samoan uh, scrum half, some Samoan international scrum half um, on the show and discussing all things rugby with us. It's not going to be an interview. Uh, we've done, I've done an interview with him previously, so go and have a listen to that on the long talk. Um, but he'll be part of the show as, a, as, as, as one of the co-hosts um, the, or co-presenters. Um, and um, don't forget to like the like the Facebook page, or if you prefer to listen, uh, search for New Zealand Sports Radio on your favourite podcatcher, be that iTunes, Spotify, iHeartRadio, um, or any other podcatchers. We're always there. Thank you very much, and uh, catch you all next time. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 
it. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 